Hi, my name is Anna. Uh, you may know me from Power Rangers, Spartacus, Kevin in the Woods, Anger Management. Depends what you're into. And you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that actually survived to 2021. We're all very proud of ourselves. I'm your host, Craig, and this is the first official monthly news roundup. We've been doing monthly news roundups before, but this is officially, it's now a format. We're doing it every month, start of every month, hopefully upload a news roundup of the previous month, try and catch as much nerdy news as we can and that we can form opinions about. So this month, I'm joined by Aaron to help me discuss some stuff. So hi, Aaron. How is it going? Happy New Year. This is not the first podcast of the New Year, but I guess it's the first regular format podcast of the New Year. So Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, there weren't date stamped this by telling everybody what the date it is, but I'll just say it seems weird to say that. But yeah, fair enough. Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's towards the end of January, but it's still the New Year. So, first of all, I need to do some shout outs to listeners and donors as well. So I did a charity gaming session in December where I played video games for 20 hours straight and took donations for the Red Cross anti-loneliness campaign. And it was really good. I had fun. I made it through the 20 hours without much issue at all. Raised £115, which was great. So one of the donation perks was that if you donated above a certain amount, you get a shout out on this podcast. So I'm going to do that now. I'm just going to run through them. So if you donated £3, you get a shout-out. If you donate 5 or it's £2, you get a shout-out. If you donate £5, you get to choose who gives you the shout-out. Most people chose me, which either means they like me or that they don't listen and don't know anybody else. Either way, I'm doing them all, or almost all of them. Okay, so first up is our Chris, the Chris that appears on this podcast, donated. So thank you very, very much for that. This is your shout-out. You're awesome. My sister Nicola, she also donated. I'm not going to say the amounts because I don't want to embarrass people. But she donated, so thank you very much for that. There was another Chris, Chris Grant, also donated. Michael Spangenberg, a friend of mine from Germany, also donated. My friend Gary, who runs Cinema Perspective, which is a fellow blogging website, so thank you for that. My friend Adam, who runs... Seen some, which is another fellow blogging website, so check that out and check out the previous one. My dad Gordon donated as well, so again, thank you. Friend Sarah donated once again, thank you, thank you to everybody. Lee donated as well, so thanks very much. He runs a podcast called Filibuster over on the Nerd Party Network, so have a listen to that. Jordan, friend of mine, donated. And we have some people that chose to have shout-outs from other podcast contributors, so those will appear now. Thank you very much to Neil Before Pod's very own Angus for donating during Craig's 20-hour live stream. Hello. I thought I'd interrupt this little podcast to say hi to myself and say thanks for donating to Craig's epic gaming marathon fundraiser. You're awesome. 
we also had another donation, just a, a donation in terms of keeping the lights on here at Neil Before Pod, helping us with hosting and other running costs. And that came from a contributor in Germany who donated before as well, Michaela Sonderman. Thank you very much for the donation. It's very much appreciated. She did so after listening to our Christmas Games podcast, which was delightfully chaotic and really funny and really amusing. So that's amazing. Thank you very, very much for the donation. I hope you continue to enjoy our content and it feels worth your money. So thank you very much. Okay, so now that we've done our shout-outs for our donors, now it's over to our regularly scheduled programming, I guess. Let's start with a bit of a roundup of what we've been watching, what media we've been consuming over the past month or so, over Christmas, over January. So what's your go-to media stuff? I guess WandaVision is my most anticipated show. Uh, I've been watching The Expanse and Cobra Kai Season 3, enjoying all three of them. Cool. I've heard mixed things about Cobra Kai Season 3. Some people have said they've not enjoyed it as much as the other two. Has that been your experience or have you enjoyed it? I'm not so far into it that I reckon I've seen enough of the series to comment. So far, so good. They have changed up some of the relationships and characters so if people were expecting to see the same thing, you know, at the same relationships, then that might be disappointing. But I guess I can assume there must be more stuff coming later on in the season that they're responding to. So might have to reserve judgment and ask me again once I've finished. So it's ongoing. It's not one of those drop in one go things. I'm actually watching it with Laura. So we do watch it as if it was coming out one at a time. But actually, I think the whole thing is there. If people wanted to just binge it, I think you could just see the whole thing. Cool. But you're doing it old school. Yeah, which is actually adding enjoyment of preferring The Expanse and WandaVision that way, giving you something to look forward to and having the day that you watch it on is, well, it's how I was raised. So maybe I just, I'm so used to that, that I prefer it. Yeah, seems fair watching WandaVision as well and actually also podcasting about it somewhere else on the We Made This Network podcast 616 it's called so I'm over there talking about that once a week also reviewing it so I'm getting plenty of Marvel output from myself I'm loving WandaVision so far I think it's really good the way they're building that mystery the way they're developing all the questions that need answered the way they're seeding things I'm really loving it I think they've done an amazing job at structuring that show we'll do a podcast about it over here at some point, but I don't know if you agree with that brief assessment. I really, really wanted to love it because it was so different and it was something that was slightly going off genre in an interesting way. My difficulty has been that I'm not finding old sitcoms funny. So I do enjoy watching Wonder and Vision together and I am enjoying the mystery, but I've never laughed at the old sitcom jokes. My style of humour, I guess, just isn't going to match with that. It's a shame. I can see that it does have a lot to offer, and I've been going online to check it out, and I've heard tell of people say, oh, I I laughed out loud when I saw the water coming through the ceiling because it was a water breaking, and I thought, sure, okay, good. Then, you know, that style of humour is working, but... 
yeah, for me, I can't seem to enjoy that part of it, which is a shame because I want to. Okay, yeah, we'll definitely have a more detailed discussion once we do our podcast for it, but you can consider that almost a trailer for that podcast, I guess. If you want to hear more about why Aaron doesn't like that comedy, listen up in about six weeks' time, something like that. That sounds really dull. <laughs> if you want to hear why Aaron's sense of humour is not what we thought it was. <laughs> yeah, you need a better marketing team. Get, uh, get somebody on that. Or a marketing team. Okay. Maybe if more people donate, we can afford one. Or maybe there's someone that's looking for some free marketing experience that we can exploit. Either way, get in touch. Do you want to be exploited? Get in touch. <laughs> Absolutely. So WandaVision is one that I've been watching. The new Batwoman season has started, season two, where they had to switch leads on the fly. Tricky. Yeah, very tricky. And I think that they did it really well, considering I think they managed to introduce the new character, make her part of the world that exists where the show is in, and hit the ground running in terms of finding stories for her. Of course, it's not going to be a perfect transition, but nothing on the CW ever is anyway. So it's a promising start, and... What I find interesting, because when I was watching the 100th's final season, I was seeing in interviews the producers were making excuses for why things were crap. So they were talking about, well, we didn't have as much time with this actor as we wanted because he wanted time off for this. Whereas in Batwoman, you don't get the sense that they're treating it like a problem that is holding them back. And it's something that maybe Greg Berlanti or someone else said, he chooses to look on these challenges that is given when it comes to casting or whatever as an opportunity rather than a problem. So this is an opportunity to create a new character or get characters to do different things or reframe your story in a certain way. It's an opportunity to do something different. And that's a good attitude to have when it comes to fixing a problem that you have no control over. So you can either blame that problem for the low quality of the show or you can try and roll with it and make something better. And I think what they've done with the new Batwoman is exactly that. They've taken that problem and they've used it to create an opportunity for different sort of storytelling. Sounds a bit hippie, lovey-dovey for me, how he's posed it, but I would agree that if you've got a job to make something good, make it good. Don't (laughs) just say, oh, I can't do this, and still expect to get paid. So I appreciate his attitude, even if I'm too British to really go around hugging people in in that way. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that attitude definitely shows in the way that they put things together. And let's face it, Remember when people were blaming the writer's strike for their shows being crap at that point? Oh, we couldn't finish our season because the writer's strike happened. But in five years' time or whatever, if someone's rewatching Batwoman, they wouldn't really know that Ruby Rose quit for unstated reasons at the last minute or wouldn't remember that COVID was a thing that might have impacted the show at this precise moment. So if you're rewatching the show at a later point, it's irrelevant what the external factors are. And arguably, I think the external factors are irrelevant for the show itself anyway, because you can only really judge what's put in front of you rather than, well, that's fine because they had issues in the background. That's always been my take on it anyway. When I've been reviewing stuff, I review what I've got rather than what might be influencing it in the background. Mm, True. So I've been watching that, two episodes in, as of time of recording. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is back for its second season. Really enjoying that. I think it's a show you'd really enjoy. We might have talked about it on an episode you were on before. I can't remember, but it's the one where... She has this condition that lets her see how people are feeling and they express it through song, but only she can see it. 
So basically she'll be at work or something and someone will break out into a song that reflects their current emotional state with a big choreographed dance routine and they'll dance around her office or a coffee shop or wherever she happens to be. And then it gives her the clue of, here's this person's problem I need to help them with this week. And it's not quite as formulaic as that, but it's a really good show. I think somebody did mention it in a previous cast. In such a way as so many things went past, I maybe didn't notice, but um, maybe I'll, I'll take a look. Yeah, Definitely worth watching. Saw a couple of films. One I'll mention, because it will be relevant for something we have coming up later. Synchronic, it's called. It's got Anthony Mackie and Jamie Dornan in it. Andrew brought it up in a way earlier podcast because he saw it way before anybody else at some festival. Freight Fest, I think it was, when he was covering that or there or whatever. But basically it's about this drug that lets people travel back in time. And it's it's quite an interesting little sci-fi story. And Anthony Mackie's really good in it. Uh, our Falcon, of course. And it's worth watching. It's out now. Well, it'll be out by the time you listen to this on like VOD and stuff in the UK. And I think it's out in the US and everywhere else. So it's a really good movie. Give it a watch if you have time. It's pretty good. What was the name again? Synchronic. Synchronic. I did see one of his films recently, but I don't think it was that one. So, Who, Anthony Mackie? It was him. But he was an android. So there must have been another one. That Netflix film, I forget what it's called. Uh, I haven't seen that. I've heard that it's a Netflix original film, as in the quality varies. It's a twist on an old story, but it's an interesting enough twist. There are moments in it that, that really work, but it is probably never going to go on anybody's real favourites list. But I think it would deserve a place on someone's sci-fi about X list. Because okay. it would be a worthy contribution to that particular topic. And I'm going to find out what it's called because it's now a recommendation. Okay, that movie is called Outside the Wire and it's on Netflix. Netflix original. There we go. It's because it's now a recommendation. So we have to at least tell people what it's called so that they can go look for it if they want to. So that's that. I haven't really been watching much else, I don't think. Just the odd bits and pieces. I'm still working my way through a bit of a Star Trek rewatch. I kind of pick that up now and again. So I'm on season seven of Next Generation and season two of Star Trek Deep Space Nine because they ran concurrently. So almost there with Next Generation and then Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. We'll keep going, I guess. I'll definitely keep going once I get to it because I'm about to get to the good seasons as opposed to the not very good seasons that started it. And then you should pick up your Supernatural rewatch. That's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> no. Just to start a 15-season rewatch. There's fewer seasons, though, than all of the uh, Star Trek ones that you're going to... You're watching DS9, Voyager, and everything. Well, I don't know if I'll watch Voyager. It depends how I feel once I get to that point. I guess I'll have to decide whether I pick up Voyager when TNG ends or not. But at the moment, it's 14 mm. seasons if I only watch both of them, so it's less. Yeah. <laughs> the Supernatural rewatch is a while off. It will happen at some point, inevitably, but it's a while off. Oh, and I watched the first episode of Walker, the Jared Padalecki new show. I didn't like it, so I won't be watching mm. it anymore. It wasn't for mm. me. Yeah. I just thought it was a fairly generic guy loses his wife, grieves and has a chip on his shoulder, essentially revenge narrative type situation. I've never seen the original Walker Texas Ranger, but I understand it was quite manic. He would fight like ghosts and zombies and things like that. Oh. 
Chuck Norris. I had no idea it was another supernatural, actually. For some reason, I thought it was more modern-day detective or something. Well, I think it was nominally supposed to be that, but they would just have dumb episodes now and again where he would do things like that, track down ghosts and things. Don't quote me on that, but it was just I saw a comment about it. It's like, well, the original Walker was crazy, and this is just dull. And mm. that was all I saw. No, it's a shame. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. Jared Padalecki's good, I guess, but it's not enough to keep me watching for however long this show runs. Yeah. Surely he could just sit and take a break. I mean, he's just completed 15 years of work on one TV show and then straight into another one. Crazy. I think he's better off. If he didn't go straight into something else, he might find it really difficult to go into anything else ever again unless he pays for all of it. So yeah. just having a bridge show, even if it's not very good, might actually be good for his long-term career just to keep him going. Yeah, Jensen Ackles going on The Boys. He's doing a bit of both. He's taking a break, but also appearing on something. Yeah, just keep your name out there and vary it enough that you're not always that supernatural guy. You know, <laughs> Now he's also that guy from The Boys as well, Yeah, which is enough just to give him a bit of variation, maybe open another door later on when he really wants something. Yeah. I think it's just a sensible career move. Yeah. Otherwise, just keep going to supernatural conventions and cleaning up from them. Yeah, that might not sustain you in the long run. It's been working for a lot of Star Trek actors. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to some trailers, because I haven't been watching anything else. So we'll start with Raya and the Last Dragon, because I haven't put that on the notes, because it only appeared sort of yesterday, and I didn't put it on the notes. So if I don't do it now, I'll forget it. So what did you think of the trailer for this animated Disney thing that's coming up in March, early March? Oh, yeah, that's probably the best trailer on your list, actually. It was interesting in a way that sort of convinced me that there was actually some plot there. And sometimes with trailers, you're watching going, it's a film, it's got some people in it, they're moving around. Whereas this one was actually telling you what the problem was going to be without hopefully showing you all the resolutions of that problem. So... I say interesting and it sounds light as a word, maybe because we use it all the time, but I actually mean it to be a more heavy word, as in I was actually interested. And it's got all the cute stuff in as well. You know, I think they've got two mascots because you know, <laughs> they've got the real mascots, but then they've got the baby who's a main character, but also a mascot and sort of almost. So they've laid on all the sort of existing good stuff, but then posed against it a real trouble of how do groups of people resolve their differences, which is going to be as relevant at an adult level as it is at a younger level. I, I actually don't know if it's child or teen that it's, it's aiming for, but it's still going to be relevant at that level because you can have cliques and gangs and so on. So that's quite an interesting plot point to tackle. And it seemed even more interesting from the fact that there wasn't an obvious bad guy, but rather the trouble of not being able to work together as these groups could be the bad guy. I think one of the groups is going to be the bad guy that she fights. There was another character that she seems to constantly fight against. But presumably the resolution of this in a nice family film is, and they learn to work together and become friends, somehow having to overcome that problem. So it looks like it's going to be entertaining, funny, and meaningful, which is what you hope for from these films yeah i think it looks great i think disney have been on a real good run at the moment with their 
certainly original animated stuff. I'm not including Soul because that's a Pixar movie and I should have mentioned that in what we're watching, but I loved Soul. I thought he was superb. Mm. And if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. I think it does a lot of really interesting things. I also watched Wonder Woman. That feels like so long ago now. It was okay. That's about all I can say That's about damning it. for you, by the way. Yeah, well, I have a lot of things to say about it, but it's... You need a podcast. A whole podcast in itself, which unfortunately hasn't been able to organise because no one else has seen it on this group, on this panel. So, But it's okay. It's just kind of okay. There are some significant problems with it, and it's kind of boring in places. The action's boring, and so on. So, yeah, what a disappointment, I guess, after strong potential in the first one but back to Raya and the Last Dragon I think it looks really good the thing is with Frozen and Moana and there's probably some I'm forgetting but Disney recently big animated films they're taking their sort of Disney princess formula and they're playing with it in different ways in their newer films so in the case of Frozen the true love in inverted commas is sisterly so it's a sisterly bond that the film is about and in Moana, it's just the Disney princess narrative, or hero Disney princess narrative, but with Polynesian backstory, Polynesian culture and mythology. So again, it's just taking the familiar and playing with it in a different way. And it seems like they're doing a, a bit of a Moana style thing with this, as in it's a hero's journey with a, I guess she will become a Disney princess, maybe at some point. And it's a quest and the world looks big and well-developed and colourful and vibrant and interesting with a really interesting lead character by the looks of things. There's some elements of comedy in that trailer as well that I found quite amusing in places. And the two mascots thing, Moana had two mascots as well. All right. I've seen it, but I've actually forgotten that. Yeah, the chicken and the pig. She had both. I remember the chicken. I don't remember the pig. Oh, I've never found it. Yeah, there was a pig. It's not big, but The Rock makes that reference. The Rock. He has a character name, but he's The Rock. Of course he is. So... Again, they're just playing with a formula and they're playing with it well and hopefully this will be really good. It's a shame that they're kind of sacrificing it to the paid tier on Disney Plus like they did with Mulan. Yeah. I don't know how successful that was as to know whether it will affect this release or not. Well, I think it did well enough, but I think a lot of families, and rightly so, were saying, well, 25 quid or whatever it is in other currencies is less than we would spend taking our kids to the cinema which is valid in itself. But for someone like myself, if I was buying Mulan to watch on my own, that starts to look a bit too expensive for me because I wouldn't spend that going to the cinema because I have a subscription to a cinema that I wouldn't pay that to go and see it. So it's almost like the single people are being priced out of entertainment in that respect, if that's the rationale behind doing these things. So it's a shame. And it almost feels like they're sacrificing it, like I said. It's going to reach... Less people than something like Soul, which would be just dumped on for everyone to watch. And there's sort of a bit of a cheek to it because it will probably drop on for free after a month or two, just like Mulan did as well. So are we willing to wait? Probably. Well, if everybody waits, but it's still popular, then that'll be good feedback. But that's a gamble. Yeah, yeah. we could lose these things completely. I think Mulan had problems because it got critiqued out of having a good audience in the end. Obviously, the pay tier was an issue, but it did struggle with its critiquing too. 
Yeah. I'd need to look into the details to properly acknowledge that, but I'm pretty sure it's there. And we'd, we could go back and have a look at a separate time, maybe. But this one not being based on, I assume, uh, an actual real world equivalent culture, instead going for a fantasy culture based on diverse cultures, it hopefully doesn't have to worry about that critique. So if word of mouth gets out there and says, hey, this is amazing, people could just wait the month and then watch it for free and it could still succeed but yeah. it's a gamble what if it doesn't yeah it's always a gamble and it'll have less of an audience than something like soul has at least in terms of potential because not everyone's going to want to pay that extra mm. i certainly won't i'll be able to wait so next trailer the snyder cut this was actually out in time for our last monthly roundup but I forgot to include it because of all the Disney and Marvel stuff. It just kind of fell by the wayside. So we've got another trailer that's very similar to the last trailer. And we've had confirmation, perhaps, although I don't think it's explicitly confirmed, but it's gone back to we're dumping it as a four-hour movie rather than a four-hour miniseries again. So Zack Snyder just keeps changing the narrative, if that's what he's going to be doing. Next, it will be released Quibi style, and you can only watch it in portrait mode on your phone in five-minute chunks once a month. That's the next thing tricky yes it's almost like he's purposely sabotaging it so they've got lots of things to talk about why it didn't work again <laughs> yeah that's like we need to get our excuses planned now so that mm. when, when it fails we can blame something else that's not us it can't just be that it's not very good it has to be all these mitigating circumstances it almost comes back to the Batwoman issue I was mentioning. Yeah, that's what I was referencing. Yeah. yeah, excuse versus opportunity. So what did you think of this latest trailer for the Snyder Cut? Are you amped for it? You are more into this dark DC universe than I am. Apparently Batman says the F word at least once, so that's nice and edgy, I guess. Good grief. If that's the impression I've given that that's what I wanted, then I've really missed it. That's what you. Zack Snyder said. So <laughs> I think that's what he thinks is adult and edgy. If I do comment on that, though, slightly, I mean, the fact that such a word and phrase was used in Titans was fitting. It did work for me. So if it's his excuse of how it is dark and gritty, then obviously that's just nonsense. But if it is in there, then in that universe, I think I would expect that character to swear. You wouldn't expect Superman to swear. You wouldn't expect Wonder Woman to swear, maybe, but Batman, I kind of would. <laughs> so I'd have to see exactly the context he was talking in. But more importantly, the universe, yeah, it's a universe I wanted to work. I think we've said that before, but just to give that context here, the whole idea of that gritty feel is something I really wanted to see for my own reasons. But it really doesn't feel like this is going to bring that in and emphasize it and use it in any good way. The trailer was so painful to watch. <laughs> no, that's not right, actually. No, I need to correct that. The trailer was so painful to listen to. The music. Because yeah. the music, it's the cheapest trick that we've all come to recognize now. And the fact that you even use the cheapest trick with one of the most well-known songs that there is out there just seems to make it even cheaper. And Snyder's history with that song getting criticized for the use of it in Watchmen as well. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. But it just feels like, again, you cannot sell the material, so you're relying on this cheap trick in order to sell it for you. And just painful, just painful to listen to that <laughs> being played over some things that seem reasonably inconsequential, because I don't really know 
from this point what the, the big deal is. What's the difference between what I've seen and what I'm getting? I'm not really sure what I'm being sold. And that clip doesn't give me that. It just says, you will get to see more of these people doing more of the things that they do. So I want this to be amazing, but everything I see is telling me it cannot be. And that's quite sickening. Yeah, I'm not convinced that this is going to be majorly different from the version that we got because a lot of the material in the trailer is maybe a different camera angle and something we've already seen. We do get Dark Side, we do get a redesigned Steppenwolf. Dark Side looks like a PS3 cutscene. People say PS2 cutscene. I'm going to give them PS3. I'm going to give them that much credit. But this doesn't look good. And the new Steppenwolf looks better than the old one. But it's just that camera filter that Zack Snyder likes put over essentially existing footage that we've already seen. And there's a few different lines in there. That whole, he's gone after other planets, but hasn't fought as united. And that's supposed to be that hopeful message coming from Batman. But we haven't seen enough of that Batman to have earned that statement. And are we excited to see him be a lighter touch? Probably not, if that's what he's going to be. I don't know how interesting this version is going to be. I think it's a great curiosity to see if it is a completely different cut and a completely different take on the thing that we've already seen and whether it'll be better than the previous one or not is also interesting. But I think based on the footage we've been presented, it doesn't look that good. And we've got four hours of it. That sounds like a slog already. And our podcast that we're going to do on this, what's that going to be? How are we going to do a podcast on four hours of film? We record it in two parts and stitch it together, or do we just have to set aside a Saturday afternoon and just power through it? I've got no answers. We'll tell you in March when it comes out, and then we'll decide based on that. We'll see how we structure a conversation, because we'll have to have a conversation about it, for sure. I'm curious enough that I want to see it just to see. Yeah. My expectations are now low. But that's almost enough said. So I shall watch it, I shall see it, and I'll hope for the best. We'll just take it from there. Yeah. Next up was also available last month, but I forgot about it because of all the Marvel, Disney, Star Wars stuff. Tom and Jerry. And this trailer looks so horrifying. I can't believe anyone thought this was going to be a good idea. Just looks dreadful. That's all I really have to say on it. This live action elements mixed in with the cartoony Tom and Jerry stuff. The actors that are in it are good. Sure, but it just looks horrific. It's just old school. It's not like, oh my God, we should have used more technology. They should have done this, that, and the other. It seems purposely just trying to go back to the old way this thing used to be done. You used to just play opposite a character that wasn't there, and they drew them in later. So it seems to be hailing back to that old time. And I was actually really surprised to see how violent it was, which also hails back to that old time. I honestly thought that parents these days would say, you cannot show our children that. And I don't know if I'm selling something short there and, and I've, I've missed the key point of things. I mean, it's obviously they've taken away some of the points about Tar and Jerry that really mark its age, going back to things that were a little bit bigoted, yeah. that obviously weren't noticed at the time. That is gone. But then everything else seems to be hailing back to the way it was. And the kids aren't going to complain about that, I don't think. I really don't think that's going to be an issue for them. Yeah, maybe not. The thing about Tom and Jerry, the thing that appealed to me about it was that it was just a short sort of vignette of a cat and a mouse 
trying to kill each other. So this kind of human story that they've brought into it, it just doesn't look good. I am not a fan. I might watch it, but I don't know. I think that does say what it needs to say. I think it does come across here, you're not a fan. I don't know that that's necessarily bad about it yet. I'm not sure whether I'd like it or not. I mean, it's, it's clearly not aimed at somebody of my age, obviously. But so far, I don't think it's bad. It just potentially isn't something that is going to appeal to everybody. Whether it then turns out to be bad, fine. Well, we'll see after having seen it. Yeah. That's another one of the Warner Brothers drops on streaming at the same time as in cinemas, for cinemas that are open, of which there currently aren't many. Certainly none in the UK. (laughs) They're not allowed to open in the UK until further notice because of things. But in the US, I think there's some... Cinemas open in places. The only thing that puts me off, oh, well, I say the only thing, good grief, how old am I that I'm considering watching Tom and Jerry, but the <laughs> thing that mostly puts me off watching Tom and Jerry, Jerry, Tom and Jerry as an adult is Jerry's a dick. And <laughs> you don't really notice that as a kid because he's the hero and the cat that would eat him is the bad guy. But then when you're older and your moral senses are, let's say, just a little bit more tuned. Yeah, they're both nasty. And it's just a surprise for me as an adult to go back and look at some of these things and go, oh my God, Tweety Pie, he's even more of a dick. He's even worse. <laughs> so your whole good guy, bad guy thing is completely blown out of the water. I don't think that's actually supposed to be philosophical content for these cartoons, but it's certainly a barrier for me or other transformative point I'm going to need to get past in order to watch it. Well, that's an interesting take. Yeah, Jerry is a bit of a dick. But Tom is trying to murder him as well, so he's not blameless in all of this. No, but that was clear at the start. You knew that Tom was the bad guy when you were a kid. That was obvious, and that has not changed. What you didn't realise was that Jerry is also the bad guy. Yeah. Everyone's bad. Everyone turns out bad in the end. That's the message. (laughs) It's your life lesson, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of violence... We finally have a trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong, the monster mashup to possibly end all monster mashups. As in, if this fails, they'll probably never do anything like this ever again because it failed. And it's kind of unfortunate that probably going to have to watch this at home because cinemas won't be open by then, most likely. I think it's out in March in cinemas in the UK, if such a thing exists. But there's also trotting around May as a release date, possibly overseas. I'm not quite sure when it's actually out. Hmm. I'll put a link in the show notes and you can read it but it's coming out and this trailer I think it looks fine as in it delivers what it promises Godzilla and Kong do fight there's a suggestion that Godzilla is attacking bases and people and cities or whatever for some reason that they can't understand so there's some kid that has a connection to Kong they bring Kong in and they make them fight and that's about it there's a hint that Mecha Godzilla might be in the film in a background detail but my problem with these Monsterverse films, I thought Kong Skull Island was a very good film. I think it's the only one of these that understands what it needs to be or what I want it to be, I guess. You know, it's just kind of silly. It's giant monsters and we should embrace that. Whereas the Godzilla films have been too bogged down in mythology and the Titans and all this stuff. And broadly speaking, the two Godzilla films have the same problem. They are filled with a lot of scenes of uninteresting people standing in rooms that are dimly lit and grey, full of screens, just talking about the situation. And then occasionally you cut to the outside where Godzilla is doing something. 
And the fact that you have to spend two and a half hours watching that with very little Godzilla content is disheartening. And I think this is going to have the same problem. I've got a funny feeling that it's going to do the same thing again. So it might be the title fight was good. It's a shame about the rest of the two and a half hours. But I don't know. Based on that, I feel like we've probably seen a good chunk of the exciting content in this trailer. I'm probably the wrong person to comment on this film. I will comment there because I'm here and you won't. <laughs> yeah, you're all I've got, so go for it. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to comment on it because the watch big things hit each other is, oh my God, how elitist do I sound? But watching big things hit each other is not what I want to see. I mean, I do want to see it. It's kind of the point. But I don't want that to be the whole film. I want to see the people around the room talking about what's going on and why. I don't need it to be massively complicated. I don't want to have them have a tragic backstory and go into details and flashback with Godzilla and his father and all that nonsense. (laughs) Obviously, that would be stupid. But I do want the mythology. I want things to set the power levels so I can appreciate them properly. Like if the bad guy monster turns up and I don't know if Godzilla can definitely take it or not from the start, or whether he needs help from the humans to do that, then I'm not invested in that fight because I have no expectation for the way it's going to go. Like if they just bash each other for a bit and the enjoyment is watching the buildings fall and the people running around, I get that that is a monster flick, but if you're going to get me to watch a monster flick, then I need to know which Titan is stronger. I need to go back to that little kid that I was that used to get out the cards and you would read off, right, this guy's strength seven and this guy's strength nine, right, brilliant. (laughs) Off you go, and this guy's got a special power. So you're not right, he's going to maneuver to that bit so he can get to his special power and so on. Like That's the kid in me that wants to see a bit more detail in this. And the adult says to me, well, I I also think with monster films, aren't you supposed to set the tension and build it up a bit? But obviously that's a real fine tune that's really hard to get right, or maybe it's easy to get wrong is the better way of putting it. So you spend too long around the table. You show too much of the monster, or this, that, the other. There's loads of those things that you could really talk about, good direction and so on. But I've got that need and do I think I'm going to get it from this film? I guess not. I've stopped watching them. I watched the first one. There were some good scenes in it, but I didn't fall in love with it. So I've not gone back. I've not seen the rest. So I guess I'm not going to come back to this one because this one doesn't invite me to think anything different is going to occur. So I'm probably not going to watch. But if somebody does say, oh my God, you should see it. It does all those things you want it to do. And this is the correction. Then I'll jump back on. Cool. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of human characters in it, or there's going to be a lot of scenes with the human characters, because just for budget reasons, you can't show Godzilla in every frame of the film. He's too expensive, or Kong, or anything like that. But yeah, it doesn't really do a good enough job of suggesting why is Kong the one to fight Godzilla? Is he strong enough, etc. He's just a giant ape, whereas Godzilla is a mutant nuclear lizard. So it seems they're already a bit mismatched there. Kong's maybe a bit faster, I don't know. I suppose it's not the trailer's job to suggest that one's more powerful than the other. I think it should give you the threat, though, and that is one way of doing the threat. One of the biggest problems I had with this, I think, is I know even as somebody who's not particularly involved in the MonsterVerse or any of the previous iterations of these characters, 
I still know approximately who these people are in the same way that my mum knows who the Incredible Hulk is because he was everywhere on all these shows. Who is Spider-Man? Everybody knows who Spider-Man is. So I, I know that Kong is eventually a good guy and I know that Godzilla is eventually a good guy. So, all right, I'm seeing two good guys fight. That's clearly a gimmick. At some point, this is going to turn around. Are they going to team up? What's coming here? And it feels like the film is going... Look at the two good guys fighting. Aren't you horrified to see this? No. <laughs> no, of course not. I know they're the good guys. They're fighting because one of them is being forced to fight. It'll be mind control or it'll be mistaken identity or it'll be an illusion or whatever. It's so obviously going to be that, that I know you're going to bring something else out. There's no yeah. suspense or threat being given to me here. So all you're offering me is when they fight, look how many buildings they take down. Oh, it's a <laughs> drinking game, is it? Brilliant. Okay, well, now I know what I'm watching. So it's not offered me the extra things that I feel I need. Maybe I'm being snobbish. Maybe I should just be enjoying the buildings fall and the people screaming. But in that case, I'm still not going to watch this film, I guess, because <laughs> I've just ruled myself out. So there we go. Yeah, I mean, you do need that investment. That's the thing. And defenders of the first Godzilla film, as in the first modern legendary pictures one usually reference jaws it's why you don't see the shark very much in jaws and that's true but the story going on around the shark is interesting the internal politics of the town Mm. very interesting the characters are there are interesting to watch so you get a sense of who these people are why this is important to them and how their skills can help inform the story against this killer shark fine but in godzilla that's not the case you watch a bomb disposal guy go from place to place doing nothing talking to people as he goes, you see his wife, who is stuck in a hospital, just running away from the chaos. You don't know anything about her. And then you've got the monarch people. They're also not interesting. So when you're not watching Godzilla, there's nothing going on. And they get rid of the only interesting character in the film, Brian Cranston's character, early on. So Mm. once that's over with, you don't have anything. And the second film's the same. I don't really care about Kyle Chandler's character or Millie Bobby Brown's character or whatever. They're all dull. And that's the problem. So when I'm not watching monsters twatting each other, there's nothing there for me. And I feel like this will probably be the same. Yeah, shame. Yeah. Who knows? It might be the best film ever made. It may be more in line with Kong Skull Island, where there are interesting characters that have actual characteristics and they're fun to watch. But I don't know. I guess I'll find out because I'll definitely watch it. I do get something out of the spectacle of watching giant CGI creatures hitting each other. <laughs> and Job done. Guillermo del Toro wants it to cross over Pacific Rim. And so do I, especially if he makes it, which he won't. <laughs> That'd be great. There we go. Monster mashup over with. Next up, doing a bit of a check-in with her good friend Nicolas Cage, because have to. <laughs> Willy's Wonderland. It looks... A blast. That's all I can really say about it. It just looks like a lot of fun. It's like about Five Nights at Freddy's, that kind of thing, that kind of vibe. But with Nicolas Cage, doing what Nicolas Cage does best, being utterly insane. So I like it. So all divine beings take pity on me or whatever the word is, forgive me, but I actually laughed at this trailer. So oh, wow. I think I'm going to have to watch it. And I feel like I've just betrayed <laughs> everything I've ever said in all previous podcasts. Can't wait to see this on the trailer or on the poster for the film. I laughed once, Aaron, four star. (laughs) (laughs) 
well, it was actually potentially even more than once, but it's like, I actually did. I, I feel like I do want to watch. I know what's different about this to any of the previous Nicolas Cage ones that I've sort of tried not to slag off, but have probably slagged off. <laughs> yeah, I like Nicolas Cage. He is hit and miss, and it's kind of hilarious how hit and miss he is. But when he hits, he hits. You, you always know that the potential is there for this to be the film that reminds you why you enjoy watching Nicolas Cage. And this could be it. Yeah, this is my gateway drug to the rest of his films. Could be. You should watch The Rock. Teams up with Sean Connery, who kind of is playing an older James Bond, but not in name. Right. Yeah, great film. Yeah, so I don't have a lot to say about Willy's Wonderland. It's just a kind of collection of images, but fun images, and it looks good. It does look good. So you got anything else to say on it, or have you covered it? And I laughed. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I've got. I think that's pretty significant, though, yeah, well. to be honest, given if you've been through my commentary on all the previous Nicolas Cage stuff you've put in front of me, that's like a 3,000% improvement. So <laughs> I kind of want to stand by that by itself. Cool. Yeah, we'll go with that. Up next, you probably won't have much to say on this. We've got Black Lightning's final season. They're unfortunately ending it after season four. I think it looks really good. It's building on what the other three seasons have given us. It seems like it's a final battle for the soul of Freeland and Black Lightning's going to be tested by it. So I think it looks good. Hopefully it'll get a good send-off. Yeah, that'll be good. I watched the first season. It was one of very few DC shows that I actually did enjoy, but it's just one of those things when you've got so much to watch, something's got to give. And for me, DC is easier to drop than anything else on the telly anyway. So unfortunately, I can't comment because I've not seen the others. But if TV schedule's clear then it is one I would consider going back to, certainly. Yeah, all three seasons are currently on Netflix, and certainly in the UK anyway. Cool. So it's all there. I actually kind of stopped watching it midway through season two for that very reason. It was just, there was too much going on. I had to ditch something. And I didn't consciously ditch it. It just happened. I'm sure you understand that as well. You're just watching something, and then the next day you're not. And then you don't know why. You just kind of stop watching it. But I caught up with it when I was doing an Arrowverse rewatch over lockdowns and that's now complete, but I caught up with Black Lightning as part of that sequence because I've had a playlist of watch this and then watch this, watch Supergirl for three episodes, then watch The Flash for two and then watch Arrow for three and so on. And Mm -hmm. uh, Black Lightning was kind of moulded in there because it's part of that universe now. After Crisis, they're all on the same earth. So Black Lightning's on the same earth as all those other guys, but it's finishing. So it doesn't make any difference after this anyway. Yeah, that does intrigue me because I remember talking about this the first time. It was me and Chris who talked about the first season of it. And I always remember commenting that the physics of their universes are different. I don't mean the actual physics. I sort of mean the plot physics. The plot force itself is different in their universes. And I always thought they'd have to compromise or at least change one of the shows to make them fit. Like if the Flash ever turned up in Black Lightning, he'd say, we do this comedy fun thing and all the rest of the characters in Black Lightning would turn to go, no, sorry, comedy fun things just don't work here. Where are you from? And it just felt like they couldn't possibly ever combine. Well, the Flash hasn't been that in a while anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's decisively not funny anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, but when we were talking about it at that time, it was actually quite different. So it'd be interesting to see They don't have to change the show in order to say these things are in the same universe. That is not enough to change it. But I swear, if Cisco turned up in Black Lightning, the character would not work. But then maybe I'm wrong and it has, and I've just misread it. But I don't know if they've actually done any other 
crossovers of that type that you'd actually see that blend of storytelling style. No, and I wish they would. Black Lightning only really interacted with the lead heroes when he showed up in Crisis. So he spent a bit of time chatting to Barry, and then the next time he was seen, he was hanging around with everybody, like Supergirl and stuff. But he didn't do anything sort of meaningful in that space. He would refer to it in his own show after Crisis was over. But I guess now that they're all on the same earth, it's enough to say, well, this is how it works in this place. Yeah, see. It's distinct from this other place. But there's all these things that... They don't take advantage of, for example, there's like a product in Supergirl that could be dangerous, and they're talking about how there's billions of users of it. It's these virtual reality contact lens things, and nobody in any of the other shows even mentions them, but you'd think there are billions of users. Someone would know. Someone would be talking about them. So it's a shared universe until it isn't, I guess, when they do these things. Which is the reason I stopped watching the DC shows, because the plot force is in control of all of them, and I swear they should just... Do you know what the DC shows needed? They needed God from Supernatural to turn up, (laughs) because then you would actually have the plot force as a real force, and everybody would have to deal with that. But as it is, it's just a matter thing that goes around and ruins it. It, That whole problem of dramatic license, darling, these things cannot be in in this other show because they would ruin the show, so therefore they can't be there. And you just want to say, well, in that case, you're fired. Stop writing for my shows. You're clearly rubbish. (laughs) So I have no tolerance, and I'm now talking myself out of going back and watching any more of them. Well, you can watch the Black Lightning as a self-contained thing. Sometimes people bring up the fact that he was involved in crisis or whatever, but as long as you're willing to accept he was involved in crisis and you don't have to really think about what he did, which wasn't much. He was just there. Good. In that case, yeah, I'll put it back on my list of would go back to. So keeping with the Arrowverse, is it the Arrowverse when there's no show called Arrow? Probably not, but it still is to me, the Arrowverse. They actually passed on the Arrow spinoff. They're not making it. Green Arrow and the Canaries. It was set with Oliver's daughter in the future, 2040, 2044, something like that. So they're not, doing that they're not moving ahead with it which is a shame because Catherine McNamara is a really good lead and would have carried that show nicely but they cited COVID and things for a reason that it just can't happen and that's a bit of a shame well I'll tell you why it really didn't happen it's because they time travel forwards or whatever it is instead of backwards <laughs> is it seriously Green Arrow and the Canaries because I'm sure that's a band from the 60s so they should have gone the other way and it would have been perfect well, they set up this future time and then they say that there's no crime in Star City until 2040. So that's where they're picking up from. Or not, because they're just not doing it now. But there is another show that's coming on, Superman and Lois. Mm. So this is Tyler Hicklin or Hoechlin. I've never heard his name pronounced. His Superman that was introduced in Supergirl, him and Lois, raising two teenage kids, dealing with problems around that. And I thought the trailer looked really good like visually it looked really good it seems there are some really interesting conflicts they've got playing out there it's a different take on superman as in in live action certainly i can't talk about the comics too much but never seen him as a husband and a father in any live action or animated media that i can think of mm. well there's not been that much of it but that's new it's very new very interesting and i'm looking forward to seeing this show i already like the characters having seen them in Supergirl and the crossovers, so really interested in this one. 
I don't have a connection, so it can't pull me in as a spin-off in that sense. But it did trigger my This Seems Dark meter, which is always worth it. Because it did seem a bit, I don't know if gritty is the right word, but I didn't get the vibe of DC that I normally get. Was it the seemed... sepia tone filter over the trailer? Is that oh, what it did? <laughs> maybe that's enough to trigger. I mean, I don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, it didn't seem like it was going to be a nice, happy time. So I was just intrigued to see that because I'm so used to that from the DC side of things that even even Arrow that was their dark show was still pretty much Buffy because it was bad things happen, but let's tell loads of jokes. So you never really get into a nastiness, which is what was posed with the films that came in. That was an extra level, even though I've said before, didn't necessarily do it well enough, blah, 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 whatever. But the DC shows are fun on purpose. This show did not look fun. This looked like you were going to watch a bunch of people suffering. And I was surprised by that, I think. Yeah, the the trailer doubles down on that, doesn't it? It has a, we've lost our jobs. We're dealing with two kids of anxiety. Exactly. (laughs) We've got a few problems that we need to deal with and we're not quite equipped to deal with them. And we only have these kids since crisis because when crisis started, they only had one baby like one infant child, and now they have two teenagers post-crisis. Thanks, whoever did that. Thanks, whoever's responsible for rebooting the universe in this way. We're not really prepared for this, but I think as long as they preserve the Superman characteristics I like to some extent, the hope, the optimism, all that stuff. I mean, it's Mm. not that these things shouldn't and can't challenge him, but as long as he's not just dour and depressing all the time, as long as there's living up to those values, because that's who the character is and that's what it stands for, in this universe as well. That's what they've established him as in this universe. So it'll be interesting to see how these challenges press up against that, in a way. I am interested because of that. I don't know if I'd watch it because I just don't have the connection, but I might have to have a quick nosy in just to see if it does blend those two things. So yeah, it's got my attention. Well, the first two episodes are airing on the same night, the last week in February. So it's going to be a double pilot event that they're running for it. So it seems the CW really want people to watch it, I guess. But I guess, yeah, we've got Superman as a draw because is there any superhero better known than Superman? Mm. No, probably not. So, yeah, we'll see. And I guess you can be on a future monthly roundup talking about how you watched it and either hated it or enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, watch this, please. This could be the only CW... DC show that you end up watching. Who knows? Stay tuned and you'll find out. Last trailer, Invincible. First look. This is a comic I know very little about. I'm kind of acutely aware of it through people I know talking about it or other things I listen to talking about it. It's one of those indie comics that isn't part of the Marvel or DC brand that people really like. And this first look really sold me on it. Actually, I really like the idea of a superpowered dad teaching his son the value of being a hero and then playing catch in the sky as well, looping the baseball around the earth so he has to catch it and talking about fear and nerves and all this stuff. I really liked that first look. It grabbed me and I will definitely be watching this. It's good, and I say this because of the style, obviously, it's good anime fodder. It's good anime style. It's good anime teen has to solve their problems, but with a little help from people around them. So it seemed solid to me. I guess I didn't know why I should watch it because it seemed solid. 
and there, there will be interesting things in there. I just don't know what they are. I think for me, it was one of those ones where even if it's amazing, the trailer didn't connect with me, but that is potentially only because I am no longer a teen. I'm not the target audience for this. And, and that is a good reason enough by itself for why it didn't connect. But if I was going to try and watch it outside of being a teen son or a father with a teen son, I'm not sure I know what that is. Because I've kind of seen a lot of Spider-Man suffering from being a teen trying to struggle with these powers. So I've, I've seen that. I haven't seen them flying and playing ball in the air. But that's just a thing that adds on. That's not something different. I don't know. If there's loads to this, I haven't seen it yet. So I'd have to see more to be excited. Cool. Are you going to give it a watch when it appears in March? I'm probably not going to seek it out unless someone like yourself tells me how amazing it is, unless I have to, or if I've literally got nothing else to watch. Okay. Well, I'll give at least the first episode a watch, and I'll tell you what I think about it at that time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's all the kind of footage that I dug up for us to have a look at. So let's move on. We'll do Marvel news, because there's always Marvel news, even though they haven't dropped everything on us at that time. Mm -hmm. There is some. And some of it might not even be real. We don't know. The first bit I wanted to draw on was talking about the Disney Plus shows and the length of them. Kevin Feige was talking about how he's approaching it. And I really like the approach. It's taking full advantage of the streaming aspect of it. As in, we don't need to make ad breaks. We don't need to fill up time to make the 45 minutes. We don't need to do X amount of episodes. We don't even need to plan for further seasons. We don't need to do anything like that. But the bit he's talking about, we're looking at it a little differently. We're looking at it as it is developing them as either six-hour episodes or nine or ten half-hour episodes, said Feige. So, for instance, WandaVision started that way and Falcon Winter Soldier's 30 minutes. But because it's streaming, it's Disney+, Plus and the rules have blurred over the years. Some can be 23, some can be much longer than that. But She-Hulk, for instance, has been developed as 10 30-minute episodes. Some will be longer and some will be shorter. Loki, Falcon, the Winter Soldier is being developed as six 40 to 50-minute episodes. So, much more traditional network length. Moon Knight will be 40 to 50 minutes. Nothing about Hawkeye, Ms. Marvel, or what if. But I find that interesting. It's just, we're just making these. And we're making them as long as we feel like they need to be. Rather than having it conform to stuff. Because we've all talked about the Netflix Marvel shows. 13 episodes, they had to be 13 episodes of X length. And certainly for me, before I stopped watching them, I found that tedious because I was like, drop an episode or two or cut the length of this one because it's just dragging on a bit. I haven't felt that with WandaVision so far. I feel like they've used the time really well. So I'm really glad they're taking this approach. I think that's really good. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to sound like I'm going to be a bit of a dick here, but part of me wants to say, yeah, and. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think if you're in the business, if you're a producer or a director, this is probably massively freeing for you. And you think, oh, this is great and we can do this. But as a watcher, Connery thinks, well, well, yeah, of course you're doing this. Why would you have done anything different? This isn't really big news. So I understand it's a massive talking point for people in the business. And I understand that we're going to benefit from it. But I feel like if I was at work discussing in my job, oh, I'm going to do this now because I'm doing my job in a different medium. Someone would turn around to me and do the same and say, well, yeah, that's your job. Get on with it. So I don't know, I feel a bit of a dick for saying it, but it's less interesting to me than it would be if I was somebody who made shows. 
Mm. I'm glad they're doing it. It makes sense. But do you want a medal for that? You know, (laughs) know, the thing is, I don't know what the context is around it. If the context is, I as a creator feel freed from this and I feel like I can really do good with it. Great. That makes sense to me. But if it's being presented to me as a big revelation we've just discovered, bow down before us, then it's now get over yourself. So I can't properly comment without the context. I think the context is just to explain that this is what's happening and here's our approach with these things and we're looking at all these shows differently. We're not fitting ourselves into a specific template of what we need them to be, unlike the, say, Netflix shows, which did conform to that template of we're going to do 13 one-hour episodes or 13 50-minute episodes or whatever they ended up being. I think they tended to hover around the 50-an-hour mark for most of them, didn't they, on those shows? Yeah. Which wasn't always good. In fact, as it went on, it got worse, I would say. I haven't even seen the second seasons of any of them, except from Daredevil. Jessica Jones I saw the second season of, but I haven't seen the second seasons of the other stuff. So I think that says a lot about my level of interest in what they were doing eventually, but... I think with this, yeah, okay. It's not something I need to worry about. When I watch them, it'll be whether I feel like they were long enough or short enough. And I think there'll be variances on, oh, I thought that season was too long or whatever. But as long as the person making it gets to make it the length that they feel that it needs, that's something. Because there's freedom there. And I think Disney, have, well, they, they rule the universe. That's what they do. But they're giving people that freedom, I guess. They're not saying all your shows have to cut into this template, which is nice. And apparently She-Hulk's going to be a legal comedy drama thing. So you were wondering what that show was. That's what it is, apparently. I I don't know if that's good or bad, actually, without knowing the character. But, yep, fair enough. Now I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It piques your interest, that's for sure, by the sounds of things. Based on, yeah, that's what they're planning with it. But that makes sense if it's going to be a half-hour comedy. Legal comedy, I guess. That's cool. So when we get to Falcon Winter Soldier, which will be in a few weeks, it's going to feel a bit more networky in that sense. It's going to be 40-odd minutes. Although if you notice how long the credits are on One Division, it's like six minutes of credits. I guess I've not paid enough attention. Yeah, just watching it, you get to minute like 22, 23, and then the episode ends, and then the rest of it is all credits. I know that because I was fast-forwarding through them to see if there was anything after. There isn't. So if, if you haven't watched Division yet and you're worried about post-credit scenes, there aren't any so far. As of episode three. That's that Disney Plus show's running time. So Chris Evans might be returning to Captain America. There were rumours flying around. Chris Evans himself has denied that, although Tatiana Maslany also denied that she was playing She-Hulk and was proven to be a liar. So this could be lies, could be truth. I'm kind of mixed on this. Obviously, I really like Captain America. I really like Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. But I also feel like he's had his day and they gave him an ending and I don't want that to be undermined. I suspect it'll be a cameo if it does happen. But the whole idea of what they're doing at the moment is they seem to be working on the successors and passing on the torch. So it's Tony Stark has had his day. Now you've got Ironheart, Chris Evans... Captain America has had his day, now it's Falcon. And eventually Falcon will pass on the shield to someone else and so on. And that seems to be what we're getting at at the moment. So taking a step back like that would be a bit of a disappointment in that respect because it really feels like the MCU is growing and it's trying to move past the establishing characters. And it's doing a fair job, to be fair, so far. We haven't really seen 
any of the successors yet, but pulling the effectively the back ventures with Wanda and Vision has worked really well so far. So trying to go back to that because people like Chris Evans and people like Captain America and people like Steve Rogers could end up being a mistake, especially since, as I say, we got a good ending for him. Although there is almost a spin-off show in the Returning the Infinity Stones adventure that we didn't see. So, yeah, I'm mixed on it. Obviously, I'll accept it and I'll probably enjoy it if it happens, but I'm eager to see things moving on as well. Do you know, I, I need more information. The thing about this marketing hype is it doesn't do anything for me at all. I mean, this whole thing about this podcast is long-form analysis. So if I'm trying to do that on anything that comes out, I'm immediately caught with the answer. I need more information. If he's coming back to do cameos and things like what ifs, sure, great, brilliant. It has no effect on the main timeline. I'm good with that. That seems to work. If he's being dragged back in unnecessarily to put extra story in for Captain America, no, you're right. That's been done. I don't want to see it. So I need to know. I need more information. I can't get excited or annoyed by that until marketing decide they're going to move me on to step four of the marketing campaign okay now let's talk <laughs> yeah it hopefully won't happen or well not hopefully won't it might not happen and chris evans seems to know nothing about it but again could be lying just to spin the the yarn a bit further as oh, people do and you know i've no i've no time for that nonsense i've no time <laughs> for let's get all the people back on twitter for 16 years so they can talk about it no get away <laughs> all right uninstall twitter brilliant that's all solve that yeah. problem <laughs> yeah stay away from that news cycle because mm. that news cycle is tired and boring mm. yeah Another MCU confirmation, we've got Deadpool definitely coming into the MCU. They're definitely going to make Deadpool 3. It's happening. Ryan Reynolds, etc. Same people. And they've confirmed that they'll keep the R rating. So it's just Marvel knowing what side the bread is buttered on, really. Yeah. This made a lot of money before. It will continue to make us money. Why are we going to mess with it? They're not going to mess with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's fine. And I'm glad that you'll be in. And maybe that'll be the first mutant so that's, that's going to be our introduction to mutants, perhaps, in the MCU. Yeah, Wanda opens up some sort of gateway and the first person to step through is him. That'd be weird. <laughs> but everybody would sit up and take notice. Yeah, WandaVision ends and Deadpool turns off the TV and yeah. it's, it's been him all along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so make everybody take notice. It really would. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Guardians and all that introducing comedy and I say comedy, that's something. there was comedy before, but with Thor 3 really pushing the comedy film as a possibility too, yeah. there is no reason why Deadpool cannot be in this universe. Now, it would have been weird to cut from Iron Man, Hulk, Avengers, Deadpool. That would have been, <laughs> whoa, what happened there? But when you go Guardians, Guardians, Thor 3, Deadpool, you're like, no, I'm ready for this. Yeah. That works for me. So it will fit. There shouldn't be any problem with that, I don't think. It'll be a matter of picking the right partner characters, certainly. I don't think you could put Deadpool in everybody's film because Black Widow would just keep shooting him. <laughs> That's just not going to work. But if you pick the right other characters, then there's loads of mileage there, definitely. Yeah, I think initially, certainly, the supporting cast he has in his own film already will continue to be a part of it. Yeah, which is fine for that but that means you've already got kind of this bulk upload of some mutants because you've got Colossus you've got Negasonic Teenage Warhead Yukio <laughs> and is it Yukio? 
Yeah. Oh, I, don't know, I don't know the character. I mean, I know which character you're talking about, but I, yeah. I've not, I don't, I haven't seen Deadpool for a while. I think, I think it's UQ. You just keep saying hi to her and she's very cheery when she replies. So we'll get that, I guess. And how they'll fold them into other things because there will be a crossover at some point. I suspect that someone familiar will turn up in Deadpool 3 before Deadpool will turn up in something like the next Avengers movie or whatever they decide to make. Yeah. They'll turn up and he'll swear at them and be oh, I can't say that in your film, can I? And that'll be the joke. Yeah, He's aware that he's in a new universe and he's moving in, that kind of thing. I think they'll do something with that. Just lampshade it a bit. They can bring anybody in for that sort of comedy moment that's actually fine because anybody can have a comedy moment but i still think they're going to be limited when they really don't do a proper crossover if stephen strange turns up and has to look at this he's going to go this guy's an idiot yeah hole in the ground he's gone brilliant off we go there are certain characters that are just not going to tolerate being in the same street or city as this person yeah. He's such a strong character that he needs a proper foil to play off. And Colossus, for example, is that. Colossus is the straight man. But you can't see Black Widow or Stephen Strange playing that straight man role. It would be amusing to put him up against himself, but it would be really difficult to do. And it might only work for a short time. So you have, right, Deadpool, Loki, go. And... It would be one of those things where it's like, if one of these doesn't win, the universe is going to explode. But one of them can't win, because obviously we don't want to pick one to be funnier than the other. That's just <laughs> not the way we can have this. So they could be in it for a few moments, take the piss out of each other, and then run away. But there are going to be massive problems for the writers writing these individual crossovers. But I stand by he can exist in the universe quite happily. But it's a tricky one. He is a literal bomb walking around, ready to <laughs> spoil people's days. But anyway, yeah, it'd be worth watching, definitely. For sure. Yeah, the first two were good. And the fact that they're just essentially leaving it untouched and then they'll find some way to cross it in later. Yeah. Seems like the right move. Aye. Yeah. Next up, Charlie Cox might have finished filming his Daredevil role in Spider-Man, whatever Spider-Man 3, the second Spider-Man 3 is called. That's a rumour that's been flying around. Obviously, we've had the rumour that he's going to be in it for ages. And it almost feels like it has to happen at this point because there's been so much talk about it that they can't just not do it now because everybody will be really disappointed that it doesn't happen. So if he's already finished filming his role in it, that's interesting. It suggests it's a very small one because he did it very quickly. Yeah, it's being offered as another cameo tease. The news cycle seems to be saying that. It does seem to stop the idea that... It will be a legal battle that is the centre play of Spider-Man 3. But then maybe that would have been a bit dull anyway. It would have made a good episode of the TV show. Yeah. But I don't know that I want to see Spider-Man versus the people as a <laughs> film. So I think it's the right choice for a big on-screen film, cinema-style film. But it would be yeah. interesting to see further combinations of them because they are both street level and have spent so much time together in previous iterations that it's been proved that they worked. So, yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, it could just be one scene where he's like, well, Peter, I cleared up your legal troubles. Now no one believes your identity and yeah. there's no issues. You're no longer a wanted murderer. So you can now go off and fight Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 if you want. Yeah, Fair enough. Cool. 
Moon Knight. We've got some stuff on Moon Knight. Ethan Hawke has been cast as an unnamed villain. I don't know enough about the Moon Knight character to know who his big villain is, so I probably should have looked into that. But he's going to be in it as a villain. And the directing team, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, are going to be directing at least some of it. And that calls back to something I said earlier. Synchronic was directed by them. So based on that film and a couple of other films that people like that I haven't seen, I think they're an interesting choice for a property like this because it will probably be kind of weird and they seem to be good at weird. So I'm still excited about it. They've got a good cast. They've got a good team on it. So Midnight is something that I'm interested in really seeing. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I can really add much to that. Ethan Hall, Justin, all of them people you just mentioned. Yeah, fair enough. What you said sounds good. But again, I feel like I'm being strung out by a marketing team going, Here's your latest tweet. Consume. And I, okay, <laughs> fine, yeah, whatever. I'm more interested in some of the details of how weird are they going to make it? What are they going to do with it? Because it is such a crazy character. Or rather, it opens some really crazy doors. And for me, it's a bit like Multiverse of Madness. We can open any door in the multiverse now. Okay, well, there are some I don't want you to open because they're just <laughs> too stupid. So it's, it could be good, it could not. I have to say to the marketing team, these three announcements don't really do much for me. I guess I'm not involved enough as I should be then. But yeah, hopefully what you've said covers it nicely and it'll be good news. Cool. Okay, next up, we're leaving the Marvel Universe now. Mm-hmm. That's about all there is until next month when there will definitely be something else to talk about. Got some pictures of Mortal Kombat. That's an R-rated reboot of the... Mortal Kombat movies, which I haven't seen in a long time, but they're yeah, the first one's pretty good, actually, for what it is. This one certainly looks accurate enough in terms of the pictures. It's going to be violent, so Mortal Kombat's violent, so looks all good from that point of view. Video game movies, once again, still have a bit of a stigma attached to them because they're usually rubbish, so maybe this will still be rubbish. But I think it looks good based on this. Do you have any history with Mortal Kombat, the games? I've played some of them back and forth. No really i used to play the first one with my cousin ages ago but i never followed it any further so i know the base characters i think from the first two games actually rather than the first one like riding and so on yeah and i watched the first film and again if you put the caveat on for what it is i enjoyed the first mortal kombat film and then the second one is just what what have you done there why did you think just repeating the plot again was a good idea and just putting in more weird stuff there was a cartoon as well i remember a cartoon and it was aimed at kids i think weirdly yeah let's aim a violent video game adaptation at kids (laughs) there's something in the article that you sent for reading about this maybe that'll go in the show notes the main thrust of the argument for the article seemed to be mortal Kombat is about blood i have doubled down on blood by the way, there'll be blood here. And I think, well, that's the best you can tell me about your show? I mean, it did go into a little bit about, oh, the hero's got this really tragic starting point, and it's not the sort of thing you'd expect from a hero. And I thought, yes, it is. That's exactly the starting point I'd expect from the hero. You know, he, <laughs> he has to build his way up and overcome a problem. You've just picked the fact that he's a down-and-out fighter, and that's his problem. Okay, well, I've not necessarily seen that before. But yeah, hero has problem, must overcome and be better. And I thought, I don't know, are you reaching for something to make this sound amazing? Or do you truly believe that by putting in the main character is a down and out fighter and there'll be lots of blood? That's what you really think is going to attract me in here. Because I had to go at that and think there's nothing. 
I have no reason to watch this film. I really would like to see somebody improve on a video game film. I'm not expecting Oscars here, but <laughs> any genre should be able to come up with a meaningful character development. It's not necessarily going to be complicated, but you should be able to make somebody jump for joy or have a bit of a tear at some sort of development, and it should be accessible anywhere. Because, you know, characters can sacrifice themselves for the benefit of others. That can be quite moving. Now, that's perfect for a combat film. It needs to be done well, because otherwise it's just a trope. So I get it's not that easy, but it feels like there are available things you could sell me on here that would make this more than just a let's fight. But again, am I just being too snobbish? Is a good Mortal Kombat film just something where a bunch of people fight, get bloody and die? And am I asking for too much? I don't think I am because I enjoyed the first Mortal Kombat film and I didn't like the second one. So I felt like there was something there that differentiated them. But at the moment, I can't see this one being offered as anything more than just people hit each other. That's it. For me, as long as the story is worth investing in on at least a limited level for me to want to see how it concludes and the fight choreography is good. Combined with the special effects, you've got like Sub-Zero with his ice and all that kind of stuff. As long as those two things work together, I'll be quite happy to enjoy it and watch it. So we'll see. It sounds like they're putting some effort in based on what we've seen. You know, the images, yeah, they look accurate enough to the games. Obviously, accuracy isn't everything. It isn't even anything in some cases. Mm. You can make something that looks exactly like the thing, but it's not good. That's happened so many times on other properties. Just because it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck doesn't mean it's a very good duck. I know that's probably a really bad analogy, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I feel there's a danger I am being too snobbish, but I just almost feel like it's fair game to go for the marketing teams and say, look, if you're trying to sell this, I feel like there's more of an onus on marketing here to really try and put some effort in. Yeah. And I'm not convinced that they've done enough with that. Maybe I've missed the best marketing about this. So anyway, we'll mm. see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, moving on. So there's a Dungeons and Dragons TV show in development, which may or may not be connected to a Chris Pine movie that's also in development, or may not be in development anymore, we don't know. But you're a D&D guy, so I'm interested to get your take on bringing this to the screen in some way. I know we already had a D&D film, which I saw when I was young, and I can't remember it very well. Good. I don't remember hating it at the time. but I was It was young. awful. Okay. And I got <laughs> Jimmy Olsen from The New Adventures of Superman in it. That didn't help. <laughs> it's a good to have the two of them together, actually, because it's the same problem with Mortal Kombat video game films. It's trying to convert something to a different medium that it wasn't in any way meant to be. That's not making it impossible, but the step up is really difficult. And I think the difficulty of giving people what they expect whilst not just leaning into a trope genre is the most difficult thing to be done here. And I do not envy somebody that's got to do it. In all that chat about Mortal Kombat, I'm not saying I think it's easy because it's not. One of the problems with the fact that it's not easy is, of course, you do end up with all of these problems that we've discussed now and in, in, in previous podcasts. But the the original Dungeons & Dragons film, it felt like somebody who had not gotten any connection to the game whatsoever said, right, what do we do? 
Okay, it's fancy. Right, what do I know about fancy? Right, put that down. What's the need? Dragons. Okay, we need some dragons. What do we need? Dungeons. Right, some dungeons. And it, what, you know, you say, well, you're not thinking about this at all. And if you don't care, then the audience cannot care either. And maybe I'm misjudging them and the people that did make this sort of thing before, maybe they did care, but they hadn't necessarily got the experience because maybe it was the production team that said, oh my God, do we have to make this? Oh, bloody hell, right. What are we going to do? I don't know. Just what's the cheapest director and writer we can get because they've never done it before. Brilliant. Right. Those two. What do we do? Do whatever you like. We've just, we've promised Jimmy that we'll make this and we have to, you know. So at some point in the chain, it always feels like somebody doesn't care and that's enough to really damage this. Yeah. And it can be anywhere. So the thing about getting a good Dungeons Dragons TV show in is going to be how do you capture the source material whilst offering something in a completely different medium to what was expected? And I have not seen anything better than the original Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. That was great in what it was trying to do. Again, I'm not saying, oh, let's, let's give it Oscars, but we really enjoyed it as kids. And it didn't try and recreate the game. It just took inspiration from the game. Like if you were a kid and you think, well, that's not how D&D works. What are you doing? That's not a wizard. You know, that's not a warrior. What's going on here? But it, they didn't try and just rebuild the game on the page. They took inspiration from it and actually gave you a very believable cartoon based on the various components that were there. It's one of the reasons I like the Will Smith iRobot. The people hated iRobot because it wasn't Isaac Asimov. And I never really enjoyed that particular review because, well, no, it wasn't. Somebody took an inspiration from the world that Asimov created and then built something else. And it was faithful to that. And for me, that is a good film. If you really wanted to get some of the Asimov books on screen, then yeah, you need to do a completely different type of sci-fi. But that doesn't mean that the other option isn't valid. And the film I Robot worked. So the old cartoon series of Dungeons and Dragons worked because they didn't slavishly stick to a game based on dice and looking through a gaming manual. That's fine. So I think it's going to be really difficult. I've not seen anything in any of the descriptions so far that says what type of thing this is going to be. Again, it's like the marketing teams come out and said, you want to see this. Why? We don't know yet. Okay, well, <laughs> come back to me when you do. And the only thing at the moment is Chris Pine. So I guess I could be inspired that they've got a good actor connected to this. He's connected to the film, but I don't know if that's the same thing as the TV show. No, but again, until marketing get off their backside and tell me more, and neither do I. And you know, <laughs> so I'm just got to take whatever I can claw my way at. But I can't even really use that because I go back to the old film, Jeremy Irons. He was awful. <laughs> he was truly bad. And I think it was the same problem. Maybe he didn't really care, or maybe the director didn't really care, but it was just like, it's fantasy. I remember seeing these fancy films in the 70s and 80s where we just got a big campy villain to be evil. And I know we can't get him to wear a moustache, but if we could, that'd be great if he could twiddle it a bit more. And, oh, go on, <laughs> stop it. Are you just doing this because you can't be asked? Or do you think if you create this and have the twiddly moustache villain that because I'm a stupid, nerdy D&D &D player, I'll think it's good film because I'm so grateful to have D&D &D in film. No, do you know what? <laughs> this is rubbish. I know it's rubbish. Just being a nerd somehow doesn't block me from understanding what good story is. Oh, by the way, 
Dungeons and Dragons, when you're playing your games, you're trying to put story into it. Yeah, guess what? We've seen story. We know what that word means. You don't. <laughs> so you're all fired. So I'm so nervous about this, so anxious about it. I just think that anytime anybody's tried anything like this, it's not worked. I don't know what they're doing differently. I need marketing to come out and tell me what they're doing differently. How have they become inspired to do something really good in a way that we haven't seen before? The same thing I wield at the Mortal Kombat people. What are you doing here? Why have you redone this? What are you bringing me in to see that is going to get around those problems that have been seen by so many of the same type of film? Or do you just not care? Have you just been given a bunch of money by the owners of these various products and you just don't care? <laughs> so in that case, you're still fired. Get out of my life. So I don't know. I want so much. I feel like I'm too invested. But that is one reason I'm going to reinstall Twitter and keep an eye on. <laughs> Fair enough. Dungeons and Dragons. So you mentioned the cartoon. I had no idea that existed. So I didn't do enough research to find out that such a thing existed. What was the format of that? Was it just a bunch of like quests set in a world that's built on the D&D rules? Or was there some kind of connection to there's characters outside of that playing through this story that we'll cut back to now and again? So it's a kid's show. And... We were kids when we were playing D&D &D to start with, so excellent choice. It was, uh, what if you were transported into the world you were gaming in? Again, mm -hmm. excellent choice, because that's what we're doing with D&D. We're trying to go and live in this other world. So they took kids, some teenagers, and then one of the teen girls has a younger brother as well. So it, it does give you most of those age groups, but they get transported into this Dungeons & Dragons-inspired world they get given powers, and so each of the kids is given a class from D&D, so if anybody knows D&D, you'll know what I mean if I say one of them was the warrior, one of them was the wizard, and one of them was this, that, and the other. It's, it's been in every RPG ever since, yeah, like video games and things. Yeah. yeah, and they took those really basic points and said, right, imagine the kids are in this world, and then let that run. So the kids wanted to get home, and that was your main plot point. So they didn't play a D&D &D game. They didn't try and do any of the D&D &D tropes. And again, if you played any form of role-playing, you know what I mean. If I say you go into the tavern and you look for the shadowy figure with the glowing red eyes and there's your quest. Yeah. They didn't bother with any of that because that wasn't right to the characters. What they did was, yeah, they gave the kids a character class. They had... A dungeon master was a character in there trying to help them get home, although play on any other meme that you like, including ones that give you the sort of Jessica Fletcher vibe. And, you, you know, you've understood that. But it used those. Yeah, there is a dungeon master and there are the heroes and they have to defeat the bad guy and save the day. They took monsters from Dungeons and Dragons and gave them the kids to overcome. But they didn't slavishly stick to anything from the rule books. It was really just inspired by what we were playing and the main plot line was kids are trying to escape this world but they help people and do good things on the way so maybe you've even got the occasional sort of 80s moral that's yeah. being picked up as they go along and they do have to go deal with problems and it's even a little bit dark when they are about to go home the little boy's got a little pet unicorn he's like well i can't take him with me and but we've become friends. You know, it's quite horrifying to think. Oh, yeah, you cannot. If you get too invested in your dream, and then somebody says, "Put it down," 
maybe you don't want to go home. So there's a sort of a dark angle to it Mm -hmm. that was allowed in these old 80s shows. The summary of my point is it was inspired by rather than trying to recreate. And that was an excellent choice. So I guess the modern equivalent format wise of the thing that you're talking about is the Jumanji films. In those films, people get sucked into a video game and they become a character in that video game. Mm. And then they have to play out to the level of completion and then get out. So that sounds similar. Digimon comes to mind as well. Sure. A bunch of kids get sucked into the digital world and, again, have to influence it and get out of there and, and do other things. So that's another thing. Add on to that, though, that potentially because it was the 80s, there was that angle of the kids had to be better people. They had to learn their lessons and they had to, I can't really say grow up, but they did have they to grew. essentially be yeah. the adults. So they had to grow and learn and become better people. In that way that the 80s did, they were a bit, uh, not moralizing, but they did have moral plot lines in them, which is an extra angle that helped us grow up. Yeah, the two examples I gave, there's similar stuff. It's a coming-of-age story, but with dungeons and or dragons. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because when I was thinking about this, and I was like, okay, it's Dungeons & Dragons, they're making a TV show, they're making a film, they're making something out of this. But my immediate stumbling block is, well... Other than the title, what makes it different from any other fantasy thing that you might make? Mm. So why does this need to be a Dungeons & Dragons adaptation other than the fact that there's name recognition and people have heard of it? So I do wonder if they could do something like that with these things, have people get sucked into the world, or they could do it a bit like the Lego movie, as in it operates on a couple of levels. Mm. So the, obviously you have the Lego story playing out, and then it turns out it's the upper level of it's the kid pretending and these things are related to things in his own life. You could do that. There could be a D&D game going on that you cut to every now and again just to remind you that there is a real world. It could be something like that. That's one angle they could explore. Essentially, this comes back to my marketing team point. It's out there as a word. It means nothing yet. I need need more. All I've got at the moment is fear of what's been before, where there was only one good example. So, Yeah. Although having one good example means that it does give you hope. So there you go. Yeah, maybe they'll be thinking about these sorts of things. Or they'll be like, but we can do Jumanji, but with Dungeons and Dragons, which is essentially what I was talking about. (laughs) Who knows? Or the Lego movie, but with Dungeons and Dragons, which again, maybe not a bad angle. Who knows? Right, next up. We are maybe getting a sequel to Batman the Animated Series, as opposed to the two sequels to Batman the Animated Series we've already had. Justice mm-hmm. League, which was a sequel to it, and Batman Beyond, or Batman of the Future, I think it was called in the UK, but also a sequel to Batman the Animated Series. So we're getting another one. Potentially it might be in development for HBO Max. It's me kind of having confirmation of the fact that nothing seems to finish anymore. Everything that you thought was over with now seems to be coming back. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, especially with this. Why not just make another Batman cartoon? Yeah, I think the thing is, I'm actually worked up into this one point about need more information. (laughs) I'm ending up going to be boring and say the same thing, but it is what you said with Mortal Kombat. What are you offering me? What are you giving? What's going on here? Why have you chosen to do a sequel, as you say, instead of another thing? I mean, the easy answer is because we need something that is guaranteed to make money. We can't take a risk. Okay, well... This was good. Chuck some more of that out. Oh, brilliant. And if that's it, well then, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we all like Batman the Animated Series, or lots of it do. I do. Definitely. We had it, and it's done, and we've had riffs on it. I mean, the Justice League cartoon was good. 
Batman Beyond is very good as well. I think the Arkham games, which are definitely a riff on the animated series. Kevin Conroy does the voice. The Joker is Mark Hamill, etc. They're darker and more twisted than the animated show could be, but there's definitely a riff on those. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So we've already had that. And a lot of the DC animated films that we've had are riffs on it as well. Same voice cast and sort of referencing essentially events that happened or inspired by or whatever. So I think why are we calling it a sequel to this? If it's even really in development, it might not be, but what is it? Why does it have to be connected to this universe? I don't even remember how it ended. I don't think it did. I think they stopped making it as they did back in the day. And then he was in the Justice League after that. And it was a slightly different spin on Batman for Justice League, which made sense for Justice League. And then Batman Beyond is definitely a sequel to it in the sense that in the decades since Gotham has gotten worse, and we did this younger guy who is being coached by Bruce, who's now the guy in the chair at the monitors, telling him what to do from a distance. Yeah. And that's good. But we've had that as well. So what is this? We'll see if it comes to anything, I guess. I just thought I would mention it because we're all for the animated Batman series around here. We enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. There was another cartoon from my younger days that I really enjoyed. So it would get my attention because of that. But see previous comments. We might see X-Men get revived on Disney Plus for that reason as well, because people once liked it and maybe the animated 90s Spider-Man cartoon will get its sixth season that we were robbed of because the producers had an argument and it got cancelled after they had an argument. That is apparently a true story. That's crazy petty, really, but there it is. Okay, some release date moves again. I'm just going to briefly touch on this. I don't really have much to say about it other than, well, of course that was going to happen. Yeah. Bond has moved to October 8th, which is... Actually, a full two years since its original release date. The first move was because they wanted to bring it out at Easter for some reason, and then they moved it from Easter to later in the year, and now they've moved it to Easter again, and now they've moved it to October again. So we're two years on from when it's supposed to come out, if it comes out on October 8th. Morbius delayed to 2022. Black Widow's probably going to move again. A bunch of other stuff's moved. More is bound to be on the move. I feel like anything that's supposed to come out in the spring will be moved to the autumn or later, or next year at this point, basically. Unless it's a Warner Brothers thing, which they've already committed to what their release strategy is. Anything that has to be seen in the cinema has got to move. Anything that can be seen on the telly could stay where it is. But then any of these universe-level ones, when you change something, it's going to have inevitable knock-on effects to changing everything else. Marvel, for example, is... You move one thing because of one pandemic problem. Yeah, serious knock-on effects is always going to happen. Yeah. Well, it seems with Marvel, Phase 4 is something you can move around because they've already done it. Yeah. It seems like it doesn't matter what order they come out in, which is good for them. I bet they're just glad they got Endgame done before this happened. Yeah. Yeah, because that would have been complicated. Yeah, that's a necessary cinema film, absolutely. Yeah. The thing is, you say things that you would love to see in the cinema. Something like Godzilla vs. Kong, I feel like, If I'm watching it at home, I'm not going to get the same thing out of it because of the spectacle that will be on display. And it does make me laugh that people will be watching something like that that's specially formatted for IMAX on their phones because you know that people will. And a lot of these films will be the same. Can you imagine someone watching Dune on their phone when that comes out, if it comes out to home release? It doesn't bear thinking about, really. 
No, I mean, if you love the plot, you are going to get enough out of it already. But it's yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> there is more there for you to have, certainly. And this little eight-inch screen or whatever you've got, you're just watching. Yeah, or smaller than that, isn't it? It's like three-inch screen for a phone. I'm thinking a small tablet. It's about seven inches. Yeah. yeah even then, that's not great for yeah. a first experience of something yeah. like that. So. Yeah, Black Widow might get dumped on Disney Plus eventually when they just think, all right, screw it. It's been too long. Yeah, it's time to just drop this. It depends how the next few months play out, though. The vaccination program, everything, it's not looking good at the moment, at least in terms of these films coming out. But yeah, it's happening. So they're all getting delayed. So we'll see if we're in the cinema again by October or not. We don't know. I would like to be. I want my life back. Much as it was modest and I didn't do very much, I want my life back. I want to go to the cinema again. <laughs> I want to go and spend time with people in restaurants or bars or wherever where I can sit near someone and just enjoy a couple of drinks or some nice food. That would be good. Yes. Okay, so that's the release date stuff. It's going to keep happening, probably. Sequel to Searching is up next. It's not really a sequel. It's just they're doing the same thing again, but with a different story. So it'll be a different cast and so on. Searching, if people don't know, was a film that was essentially told from inside computer screens or phone screens or occasionally news footage and things. Basically, it was just a missing person's case. The dad, played by John Cho's daughter, goes missing. He has to go through her laptop and check her emails and check accounts that she signed into and piece together her life through how she lives it digitally. And everything you see is from the perspective of the screens that he's interacting with. And it's great. It's very well done. It's very well put together. It's really moving in places, very well acted. It's just, it's that same story you've seen a hundred times, but presented slightly differently. So the fact that they're going to do it again, yeah, I'm keen for that. I'm eager to see how they structure it. Have you seen Searching? If you haven't, you should watch it. It's on Netflix, I believe. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You'll have to be the lead on this one because I've not seen it. <laughs> it sounds interesting, but yeah, I've, I've not seen it. So. You should give it a watch cool. and then come back to us next month or whenever you're on next right. and, and tell us if you've seen it. Yeah, will do. But I'm keen for it. I do quite like the things because don't they always tell you that every story's already been told? So it's about if you present it in a slightly different way or a very different way and show you something different and get something out of it in that way. I'm always interested in that. I was really into all those single actor and single location things for a while. The film Lock with Tom Hardy, he's just in a car making phone calls for an hour and a half, but it's really compelling. Ryan Reynolds in a box and buried phoning people, again, really compelling. So I was really into those for a while. And searching that style of storytelling just seems... Like it'll be good to play with in different scenarios. Up next, we're approaching the end. Wonka is getting a prequel, as in Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory character. We're getting a prequel to that. Why? Supposed to... <laughs> well, why? I mean, it's a brand. It's a popular brand. It's going to be directed by the guy that directed the two Paddington films. I don't know if you've seen them, but they are excellent. So that gives me some hope. Sure, but still... Why? I mean, if you already answered it with because popular and must yeah, because do more brand. popular. Yeah. And the two actors being considered are apparently Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland, because in Hollywood, no other young actors of that age group exist. In that case, because brand is the same answer then, yeah. So what I keep saying about casting is there's a list that they go down when they're looking for an actor of a certain 
age group to play a certain character, there's a list and they stop as soon as they get whoever it is. So you tend to see the same people showing up in similar-ish projects. So for other films, you'll be like, okay, we'll start with Chris Hemsworth. He said no. Okay, we'll move on to Benedict Cumberbatch. Did he say yes? And so on. And you just work your way down until you get to one of them. So one of them eventually says yes. It just reeks of a lack of imagination or creativity. But Paul King is good. The Paddington films, if you haven't seen them, they're actually very, very charming family films and they're worth watching. So maybe this will be that, but I don't know what this prequel thing is. I saw the Johnny Depp one and they had this backstory about his dad's a dentist and never let him eat sweets and that's why he likes sweets. And then there's these things about the Oompa Loompas. They're these natives that he plucked from their war-torn background or oh whatever. Yeah. sounds rubbish. The Tim Burton one is crap. Yeah, it's not a good film. His dad was played by Christopher Lee, the dentist, and you had flashbacks to him getting, you know, you'll ruin your teeth with these sweets or whatever. So he has a chocolate factory. Did he just think, did, I really want to remake Edward Scissorhands, but I can't. What can I do? I'll just do it instead. <laughs> yeah. The Gene Wilder film is very much of its time, but it's very faithful to the book from what I remember. Oh, well, there was no harm in taking a story and moving it from one medium to the other for a bit yeah. of accessibility and, and try something new. I'm, I'm not against that, but I don't really need to see Wonka's tragic past, I don't think. <laughs> no. So, yeah, not for this, based on current information. It could be brilliant, but I don't know. Yeah, I've already sacked the marketing team, but if they want to <laughs> submit You've a sacked a bunch of marketing go, teams then, today. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The film Twitter news cycle. Just go away, all of you. We don't need you. So, Approaching then now, we've got a Lord of the Rings TV series. Well, we've had that for a while, but we've got a bit of a synopsis now. So Amazon Studios' forthcoming series brings to screens for the very first time the heroic legends of the fabled Second Age of Middle-earth history. So it's a prequel to Lord of the Rings and a prequel to The Hobbit. This epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of Tolkien's The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin, unlikely heroes were tested, hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all the world in darkness. Beginning in a time of relative peace, the series follows an ensemble cast of characters, both familiar and new, I'm guessing that's familiar races, I don't know, as they confront the long-feared re-emergence of evil to Middle-earth from the darkest depths of the Misty Mountains to the majestic forests of the elf capital of Linden to the breathtaking island kingdom of Numenor to the furthest reaches of the map. These kingdoms and characters will carve out legacies that live on long after they are gone. So you hear that and you go back to your marketing team again, who have already fired, by the way, but I've brought them back <laughs> in just so I can fire them again. But you hear that description and you think, you've just said to me, can you remake Lord of the Rings on telly? And we've already been through a whole new cycle where we've agreed that even the people that are making this do not want to remake Lord of the Rings, as we've seen in the films, as a TV series. But my marketing team have just said, even though we've already agreed, we're not going to remake Lord of the Rings as a TV series. My marketing team have just said we're going to remake Lord <laughs> of the Rings as a TV series. A host of heroes will come together. Oh, really, like a fellowship. Right, <laughs> They're going to try and deal with the rising evil. Oh, is it a bit like Sauron? Well, actually, it's Sauron. Okay. Right, Maybe Sauron, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's his original rise. So yeah. it's not his return that he's coming. 
It's his original fall from grace. And they're going to travel around from places. Oh, what places? Oh, Misty Mountain. Really? The Misty Mountains? Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? wonder why you picked that. And, oh, you're fired. Get out. So it is. They've said they're not going to remake the TV series, and they're going to remake the TV series. And that's so disappointing because that time period, and when they open, they say, there's a lot of new stories here. Yeah, you can do loads. The wealth of material. It's like having... 70 years worth of comic books to pick over and say which ones do we want to do and it's this delight you know there are so many books there are so many stories and there are so many heroes that you could pick and do something different but you're not going to you're going to say this formula worked fancy work what fancy the same fancy you've already seen and again maybe it's the marketing team maybe they're going to give me something amazing but based on what the marketing teams have just told me they've just said we're too afraid to do anything let's just remake lord of the rings and say we're not and i'm just getting my lost vibe again when it's like <laughs> it's totally not purgatory okay it's purgatory yeah it is we just we just thought you wouldn't notice <laughs> did you indeed yeah <laughs> we just called oh, it something else. as well yeah. <laughs> so i'm disappointed by that marketing release i'm really excited to see lord of the rings tv series because there's so much they could do and i really want to see it and i see the money that they have spent on this and i can't conceive of that level of money i would never see that level of money ever in my life it doesn't make any sense the number of zeros it just it's not something i can translate into anything but stars in the universe but then i read that and i'm like you sons of bitches <laughs> but i've already fired you twice i really don't think you're going to let me fire you again so we may fire them again on the last point yeah i think based on that synopsis it just sounds like yeah we're going to take down evil and we might get a group of people together to do it but We've got five seasons apparently already greenlit with eight to ten episodes each. And I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but it sounds like we need a new Game of Thrones is what Amazon is saying. And we're going to make it. And we have Lord of the Rings, so we're going to make it as Lord of the Rings, but it's Game of Thrones. So it just could be that you get the real meat of the world that they're living in through the course of the seasons that play out, which would be great because in the films it is very much focused on the conflict and yeah. you do get a sense of this is how Gondor works this is how Westfold works this is how all these areas kind of work but it's not called Rivendell then they called it something else because I guess it used to be called something else but you might have an episode that you just explore the political structure of the elves and how they got to that point that kind of stuff I think there's real potential to do that so yeah if you're selling it as you've seen Lord of the Rings and liked Lord of the Rings and you've got that, but except they'll have more time for appendix stuff and world building, yeah, which interests me to a lot of degrees because I do like that world. And even though I don't like reading the books, someone's going to shoot me for saying that, but I do think they're very, very dry reading. Tolkien's a very good textbook writer, but I don't think his prose is very exciting to read, to be honest. So give me that in a TV series with movie quality effects and top drawer talent involved then cool i will lap it up this is the thing if you're going to take some of the other material because there is so much because one of his stated aims was i want to create a whole history and a whole world and he did so given that you've got all that to go from there is so much promise but, but i really want somebody to step up and say and this is what we're really going to give you. And this is why you should watch this different thing. 
So I hope to see that. Yeah. And we'll find out pretty soon, probably. It seems like it's ramping up and they've cast people and they're planning the filming. It's going to be in New Zealand because one, it's the safest place on earth. And two, it's Middle Earth. We wouldn't accept any substitutes now. And when they lock their doors completely to all outsiders and the crew is in there, they'll definitely be safe. Yeah, exactly. So last up, last thing I had to talk about was, it's kind of related in the sense that it's another fantasy book series. Harry Potter is maybe getting a TV series at HBO Max. So Harry Potter's come under a bit of fire recently because of the creator, J.K. Rowling, not exactly conducting herself all that well when it comes to trans rights and trans issues and whatever else. She just wouldn't shut up about it and kept digging herself a bigger hole. So I know a lot of people that I know, for example, people that are on this, well, not on this podcast, but on the podcast Mm. have kind of just turned their back on Harry Potter as a franchise because of its association with her. And I think that's going to hurt it to a sense, but I've always thought that Harry Potter is a thing that could be really compelling if we can get it away from J.K. Rowling. And you can develop different things in that universe and play with different stories because the Fantastic Beast films are great on paper because it's not the Harry Potter story, it's just another story in that universe. But then J.K. Rowling wrote both the screenplays and especially the second one is all they do is they have conversations in different places where they all explain their backstories. That's what happens. They go somewhere and then someone tells you their backstory and there's no real plot there. So she might be a good author and you can argue she's a good author on those books that she wrote. I read them and I thought they were enjoyable for what they were. But it's a terrible screenwriter and it'd be great to see other people get to play around in that world and maybe that's what this TV series is, if it is even happening. Well, I think it will happen because I'm, I'm sure I saw online the other day that aren't they putting in place a person to be in charge of all things Harry Potter? So it's almost like it's getting the universe treatment where there'll the be The Kevin one... Feige of the Harry Potter franchise. Exactly, yeah. That they're putting in that person. And it, it feels like if you do need that high-level coordinator, there's going to be a lot of material to coordinate because otherwise you don't need them. So... I feel like it's definitely going to happen and it's got a fan base that will support it because I remember being in a gaming group and talking about Fantastic Beasts and I'm only able to say this because I'm reporting what actually happened rather than trying to cast aspersions but the films that came out the Harry Potter fans loved them and the people that weren't Harry Potter fans in in my gaming group hated them and it was Mm. that simple a split and when I hear what you've described I wonder if I think the people who were fans were probably glad to see a bit of world building. Maybe they wouldn't say it; they were the best films. You know, maybe they would say that the films had those problems, but they were so interested in it that they were quite happy to just get some information about the world. And that was enough to get enough enjoyment. Yeah. So even they wouldn't say they were amazing. They thought, well, I still enjoyed it because it gave me more of what I'm interested in. And it didn't feel like homework to me. Whereas when you were watching it, you thought, oh, yeah, this this is just homework. This is just the story that I need to watch something else in in this series. So I'm not going to watch it myself because I missed Harry Potter. I was too old when it came out. And when the films came out, I didn't really enjoy the films, but I didn't have that connection to it. Apart from the last one, the last one's pretty good. But the the other seven are not good, for me anyway. But if it does 
get allowed to branch out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost the same as everything above. If they get somebody in and give them the freedom to do something, there is the possibility there of doing something really good. If they just say, this is an excuse to give us more of the same, then the fan base will probably still watch it because it has something to offer them as an encyclopedia, if nothing else, but the rest of us will go, click, turn off. Yeah, there is the spectre of J.K. Rowling always hanging over it, isn't there? Like, how is she going to be involved, and what changes will she make that might make it worse if she is going to be involved? And she created it, so she has veto power over everything, I guess, but you see a lot of things that were created by a singular creative force, and then other people get involved and they take it in different directions or play around different parts, because it is a massive world that you can play around in so you could have for example a cw style teen show set at a wizarding high school you know for example Mm. i mean the thing of it is they do need to get the right skill set in i think there shouldn't be a surprise that a good novelist cannot write a good screenplay automatically who's surprised by that you know you shouldn't (laughs) somebody who is good at both because they've practiced both great but if you've not had any practice writing in this new medium, then, um, yeah, I'm sorry, guess what? You're back as an apprentice and you're going to have to learn. Yeah. You don't know anything about structure of screenplays. You don't yeah. know anything about But you shouldn't be that, ashamed yeah. about that. That should be perfectly reasonable. But the person can still come on as creative. And I don't want to come out and say I'm pro-JK Rowling because I'm certainly not pro her politics. But the thing it is, if you hear her interviewed, she's got something to say. Because if you hear... Or if you read the books, as I'm told, or if you read the Hermione character, then the Hermione character has got a lot to say. And it's J.K. Rowling that produced this. And the character was quite seriously changed going onto the films. And when you actually analyse what was supposed to be being said, then there's good messages for kids in there. Because the Hermione is very much, it doesn't matter what you look like, it's who you are inside that matters. And that gets lost in the films because they picked a really pretty actress. So you were never going to get that message. But it was J.K. Rowling that came up with, not came up with this message, of course she didn't, but she brought that to the table. And that could have been offered in the films, and it wasn't. So I can't say that she hasn't given something worth watching. But, yeah, a consultancy role would appear to be the right place for someone who doesn't have any practice or background in this type of storytelling. But, as you say, will that happen? But it's the same thing. If they get the freedom to do it, brilliant. If they don't get the freedom to do it, boo. Yeah, and then there's the open world video game that's happening as well that people are quite excited about. It might not be open world. It's a video game anyway. People are quite excited about it. Because, again, it lets you play in that sandbox in a way that you don't get to otherwise because the books, the eight films and the other two films have had a kind of limited perspective on that universe because you are looking at it from a certain character's point of view, Mm. whereas there's infinite potential. It's like Lord of the Rings. We can explore anything here. And it is like that when you build a big world. I mean, for example, the MCU even, you could see it all from the perspective of Captain America and that's a perspective, but the whole beauty of it is there is infinite avenues you can walk down to see other people are doing and what other people are thinking and what other things are going on so harry potter certainly has that potential as a franchise definitely watch the space yeah watch the space yeah if you ever let the marketing team back in they might give you more information yes (laughs) so so we have reached the end of my list so 
just want to quickly check, is there anything that's not on there that you've come across in your trawling of the internet, just casually, that you want to talk about before we wrap? I don't think I've noticed anything, especially that's not on there, so I think you've done well. Good. Okay. Perfect list. I'm going to call it that. That's the mm-hmm. perfect list of content. Nerdy content. There's some stuff we didn't get to talk about, but again, I imagine your opinion would be, I need to see what it's like again, because there's an Indiana Jones video game coming out, things like that. But again, the trailer is just, it's an Indiana Jones video game. It doesn't tell you anything about it. (laughs) See previous discussions. Yeah, see previous discussion. Yeah, we don't know. Until I see some gameplay, I don't know. It's going to be an original Indiana Jones story, which is fine, but a story is only one aspect of a video game. It doesn't matter how great the story is. If I can't get through the first level, then... What's the point? Anyway, so let's wrap up. So that was our monthly roundup. We'll be back next month to do another one of whatever's happened in February. It might be longer than this, might be shorter than this. It depends what we get. First of all, I'd like to thank our musical interludes, intro and outro that was provided by Neil Stenson. Check out his YouTube channel. He's really good and lets me use his stuff. So that's great for him. Great for me. Great for everyone. If you want to listen to us, you can catch us on Spotify, any major podcasting app, iTunes. If you are on iTunes, please do leave us that star rating and comment. Apparently it feeds the algorithm and you're all about feeding algorithms. That's what the world is built on these days, apparently. You can catch us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog. You can chat to us about anything on there if you want to talk about anything that we've talked about here or anything else that you might want us to talk about in the future. Similarly, you can leave comments on newbeforeblog.co.uk. There's a comment section powered by Discus, so you can do that. Aaron, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me and talking about all these things that you need to see more information on before forming an actual opinion. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the hymn sheet that we're singing from at this one. We need more information. You just made people get all the way to the end of the podcast to then tell them that listening to us was a waste of time. But they already know whether it was or not now, so I guess that doesn't upset anyone. Yeah, that's it. You've either enjoyed this or you haven't. If you've gotten this far, then thank you. So you can join us next time on Neil Before Pod. We'll be back next month, as I said, to do another news roundup. And we have other content on its way, so keep an eye on your feeds. We will make you aware of when it happens. 